What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by David Lake. This is UVA Week, Virginia podcast. Miami takes on the Cavaliers Saturday night, 8 p.m. on the ACC Network, television channel most people still don't get. Uh, but thanks to one of our listeners, I have found a hack to get the ACC Network. Um, so hat tip to them. David, how you doing on this wet Thursday? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, you know, I it's interesting to me because last week, and rightfully so, the storyline going into Pittsburgh was, is this a letdown game? How's Miami going to do with this letdown game? And, you know, Miami handled its business, got a solid win against uh, Pittsburgh team. To me, this week's game really feels like a letdown game. I don't know if it feels the same way to you, but like, I just feel like there's no real juice around this Virginia game. Um, and there are reasons for that, but you know, again, and, and this is probably a narrative that Miami's going to have to deal with the rest of the season. Right. But to me, this is even more of like a letdown game than the Pittsburgh game because you know, Miami has a bye week after this Virginia, mm. Virginia game. And, and, you know, so hopefully they're not looking ahead to the bye and overlooking Virginia. But we'll get into do, it here. Do you think the fact that the national college football spotlight is no longer on Miami, like that contributes as well? I mean, Big Ten starts playing football on Friday night. Sure. Uh, I feel like they're going to dominate um, the ESPN bandwidth yeah. over the next And that day. is part of what I'm speaking to, right? Like, no one's really talking about Miami right now. Um, and should they be, you know, probably not with, with you know, playing Pittsburgh and Virginia in back-to-back weeks. Uh, Miami's just expected to win those games. But again, to my point, you know, this game definitely doesn't have juice in my opinion. So again, we're going to find out what the culture is of this team. Are they going to come out and handle business and win comfortably like they should? Um, or, or is it going to be closer than it should be? Do you feel better that the game is at 8 p.m. as opposed to a nooner or a classic ACC Network 4 p.m. time slot? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think playing at night helps. It, it does generate a little more excitement when you play at night. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't put too much into that. But I think there is something to, you know, especially within the last decade, right? Like noon games are typically the worst games. Like when I was a kid, noon games, you would still have great games at noon, but that's kind of no longer the case for the most part. Um, so are certainly pl- ma- matchups or performances? Matchups. So okay, you, okay. Like okay. there used to be a ton of like Miami, Florida State games at noon when both teams were ranked in the top 10, right? That just does not happen anymore because TV, you know, once they're, they're big time games in prime time. So yeah, to your point, I think it, it is, it does help generate a little more excitement playing at night under the lights at hard rock. Well, wasn't Fox trying to like roll out big Saturday and their game was at noon. Like that was, wasn't yes. that, was that a thing? See, I'm, I'm, I like that. I don't know. Sure. I'm also, as a viewer, as a viewer, <laughs> I like that too, you know, stack up the, uh, the different time slots, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think I would assume primetime ads make more money than noon ads though. Right. From a TV perspective. 
So I, I think the solution to all this is to just go live on the West coast. Like I want to do that for, I don't know, like a year or two and just experience waking up and football being on and then not having to stay up until 1 a.m. to watch football or having the ability to uh, watch a big game. And it's like, all right, I'm going to go like grab a drink with my significant other, like do something else after. I I don't know. Like, I think that'd be nice. No, it's that TV sports viewing is definitely uh, advantageous in the West Coast. They definitely have have a built-in advantage in terms of a lifestyle, um, you know, being able to watch games at regular times. So you're definitely spot on with that. All right. No one really cares about our TV takes. Um, Before we get into Virginia, again, like you said, this is, I I struggled to construct an outline um, (laughs) just because there's not like a ton of, and, and, and I feel like this is the first time, like maybe that's even a product of just being in this COVID 2020 type bubble thing like you know you only get access to so many players like most of the storylines are already out we've already discussed the wide receiver thing it's like all right we're kind of just like spinning tires at this point um but one interesting thing i I don't even know who brought this up i can only imagine uh either monday or tuesday during the zoom meeting someone asked or maybe it was wednesday manny diaz about what miami's plan is for next season when it comes to potentially allowing seniors back. So the NCAA has said uh, that this year doesn't count for anyone uh, in terms of using your eligibility, which means that uh, if you're a senior, you could return for a fifth or potentially sixth year, depending on if you are a a red shirt. And Manny seemed to dance around this this, uh, question. Is, Is that correct, David? Well, I, I don't know if he danced around it, but I think he was pretty upfront saying, look, I don't know the, all the parameters yet that the NCAA is going to give us to work with. And I think the one thing he brought up that, you know, you would find interesting and our listeners would find interesting was he kind of hinted at, look, is the NCAA going to lift this 25 counter cap, you know, per year in terms of adding transfers or recruits? Is that going to be lifted? Or is that still going to be a thing? Because if we're going to allow one-time transfers, like a free transfer, then you know, you're going to need to lift that cap in order for these transfers to have places to go. So you know, I think he didn't really want to answer because of that. But yeah, he, he didn't really say like, oh yeah, we, we want all our seniors back. We want, you know. And, and part of that too is because, I mean, these guys – some guys will have draft decisions to make and you know, it's October. So who knows at this point where any of uh, that happens? I mean, this was a conversation that's eventually going to have to be had, but um, from what I've gathered, just kind of talking to some people inside the coaching community, no one has any idea what to do in terms of this. Uh, there's right. the, I think they're anticipating a ton of kids to look to transfer, which means that you will have the option of signing a high school kid or taking a transfer. And like you said, that all comes back to the counters in your number situation. Are they going to let you um, be lax? Uh, so let's say the NCAA says, all right, yeah, 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 you can hold 105 scholarship guys in, in 2021 or, or 95 or whatever that is. For some schools, that's not an issue. Uh, you have the funding in place to house 
uh, and pay for the classes of those kids. But if you were at another lower level program, like that's a big investment. So, uh, I mean, that creates even more of a gap. Um, you know, you could talk about integrity and, and all that. Uh, so uh, interested to see kind of how that plays out. Not surprised Manny said he doesn't know what he wants to do. I think everyone is kind of, you know, trying to feel it out. Like, how is this going to yeah. work out? Are, are changes going to be made? Um, let's say David Miami does ha- somehow have some room um, and, and some of these guys want to come back. You know, I, there's already uh, threads on this on, on inside the U.com and th- through the smoke, the message board. Like, who do you think would it make sense for Miami to bring back if that prospect, or not even prospect, sorry, see, like I'm talking like a, it's, a, it's a recruit, if that player wanted to, you know, return and give you another season? Because I have, I have a list of guys I think that would make sense. I, I just wondered where you're at. Well, to be honest, I think it's too, it's, it's a conversation that has two tiers to it. So uh, if you're just going to say, who should Miami want? you know, to let come back, I would say everyone, uh, mm-hmm. let everyone come back. Now the, the, the caveat within that is, you know, if you do that, you need to be upfront and communicate with those seniors, you know, guys like Zach McLeod, guys like Mike Harley, guys like Amari Carter, you tell them, Hey, yeah, you were essentially a starter this season in 2020 but we do have some young guys that we like and that are developing and have, you know, that have very high ceilings that are talented guys. And so if you come back, you're going to have to compete with those guys for playing time. And there's a chance they might beat you out. If you know, it's your play that's going to determine whether or not you remain a starter. And so, you know, I think if the staff does have those conversations, then yes, you bring all these seniors back. But if you're going to be a coaching staff that just always plays the older guys or just because they're older, um, then yeah, that, that does become problematic. I don't think this Miami staff falls in that category, to be honest. I know fans are, are frustrated with those three players I highlighted in particular right now, but I think if you look at it, things are trending in a way where the changes need to be made this year. Like I I think we can all see that Sam Brooks, the snap count between him and the gap between him and McLeod is dwindling. And would it be surprising by the end of the year if Sam Brooks is playing more snaps in a game than Zach McLeod? I don't think so. Um, You know, Mike Harley, he, you know, he, he is what he is in terms of his playing ability. There are some limitations there, but honestly, like, what are they going to do there right now in terms of, okay, you bench Mike Harley, who's the slot you put there? Because yes, I would have liked to see Mark Pope be there from the beginning, but they haven't played Mark Pope there all season and asking Mark Pope to learn a new position on the fly might be asking a lot of Mark Pope. And, you know, Xavier Restrepo to me is not ready. So Mike Carley is the best option at slot receiver right now. Um, and then Amari Carter, look, I understand limitations there too. Like, yes, he's not, he's not the most fluid guy in coverage, but there are some things that, Hart, that Carter 
brings to the defense that are valuable. He does get guys lined up correctly. You can, if you watch before the snap, Carter does a very, very, very good job of doing that. And that is valuable. Um, is, is, is Amari probably best suited to play striker? I would probably say yes. But on the flip side, Miami's safety depth is very, very thin. Um, so, you know, rotating three safeties, to me, it does make sense. Now, is Amari better than Gervin or Bubba Bolden? No. Should Amari be playing as many snaps as, as those two guys? Probably not. I agree with that. But, and, the, and the thing to add on top of all this is those three guys are highly respected seniors on the team. Yeah. Uh, on and off the field. Like, the way they handle their business um, is valued, both with their teammates and the coaches. And those are the type of guys where if you believe that culture is important, which I think it is at the college level, it does matter because these guys aren't getting paid to, to play on, on Saturdays. So you got to have your culture on point. Um, you know, they're not motivated by a paycheck. You need guys like Mike Harley, Zach McLeod and Amari Carter to be leaders of a team. And they definitely provide leadership. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on, on all this. Uh, I think you raised some fair points. I mean, Miami at the also doesn't have like a ton uh, of seniors. Um, and the three that you highlighted are all guys that are, I'm pretty sure they've all served as team captains at one point. And I, I think as we always talk about Manny wanting to change the culture, I can't see him, um, just running those guys off uh, like that. And I, I think the conversations would, would absolutely be had. Like you, you're not guaranteed a spot, but you know, if you want to come back and continue your education, like I, to me, I mean, give me as many veterans as I get. Yes. How many times do we go into games and uh, you know, everyone wants to loves to highlight how Pittsburgh has 44 second, you know, third or fourth year players or, or whatever it be. Well, it's like at some point, you got to, you know, try to keep keep those guys around. So it, it'll be something interesting to absolutely follow. I think some of the current seniors are definitely going to go uh, pro, like Quincy Roche. You know, what sure. would Jose Borgales do? Like, I think you would absolutely try to talk him into staying, sure. um, even if that means you got to redshirt his brother who, who's committed to you. Um, so something, something to keep an eye on. I, I'm in the same boat with you. I know I might be in the minority, but... Uh, give me, give me Amari Carter Look, back. Again, I get the limitations of all these seniors, and I get why it's frustrating to see your seniors, uh, you know, play like that. But like, what are we like? These all these guys were basically borderline three and four star guys, right? So it's not like they were super duper talented guys coming out of high school. This is kind of what should have been expected that they would be, um, you know as college football players. And, uh, you know, I, I just think uh, this is where Miami's at right now. They, they need to, imp we talk in a post Clemson podcast about how Miami is doing a better job in recruiting. And, you know, this recruiting is how you fix some of these issues. Uh, but that does take time and it takes patience. And until you get to that point, you got to play a lot of seniors that know what to do, 
but might be in some cases physically or instinctually limited uh, to to execute those things, if that makes sense. Okay, let's get into Virginia. So Cavaliers, one and three. Uh, Miami faced them last season at home on a Friday night. It was the game where they wore those Adidas all-white parlay jerseys. Uh, Nikosi Perry started at quarterback. Virginia was ranked number 20 at the time. Miami ended up winning. Um, Cavaliers come kind of limping into uh, Miami Gardens, at at least at one position, and that's at quarterback. Um, Sounds like the, the guy who started the season Brennan Armstrong still dealing with a concussion. I think our Virginia site um, reported on Wednesday that he was limited during practice, throwing off on the side, but doesn't sound like he'll be a go on Saturday, David. And that means that Virginia could play three different guys at quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. So we're reading between the lines, right? Like nothing's officially been announced, but it does sound like, Virginia is probably going to give Brennan Armstrong another week to, you know, uh, recover from the concussion that he sustained a couple weeks back. So what does that mean? Um, they have, as we touched on in the last podcast, they, they've been going with kind of a three-man rotation of Lindell Stone, Keaton Thompson, and Ira Armstead. So what do those three guys bring to the table just quickly? Uh, Lindale Stone, kind of a stationary pocket guy. He's a six foot, 240 pound quarterback, doesn't have a big arm, but he probably knows the offense the best of the three guys and is viewed as the best, you know, distributor, the guy who can just get the ball out quick. But there are limitations both athletically and from an arm strength standpoint there. Keaton Thompson. He, um, he is a transfer from Mississippi State. He's an impressive-looking guy, 6'4", 215 pounds, long strider, very fast. He was going – or he was in the mix for the starting job during camp, but he sustained a shoulder injury during camp, um, which I guess was a result of poor mechanics, I think. And I guess the word out of Virginia is that He's probably going to eventually have to have shoulder surgery to fix whatever the issue is. Um, So his throwing ability is limited, but Virginia has brought him into some games here recently as like a wildcat type quarterback um, where they get him on the edges and allow him to run. And then the other guy, Ira Armstead, true freshman, people around Virginia feel like he is the most athletic of the bunch and has the biggest arm of the bunch but he is very green and you know still adjusting to the speed of the college level and still learning the playbook so you know virginia is going to have to make a decision in terms of which one of these guys is best suited to play against miami i kind of get the vibe that they're gonna go with armstead who is the the freshman just because In my opinion, it's going to be either Stone or Armstead with, you know, Thompson sprinkled in. And I think they go with Armstead because Stone is just too stationary. And Miami gobbles up those type of quarterbacks that can't really move at all. 
And yep. so I think they want to go with Armstead and, you know, he's going to take his lumps. He's going to make some freshman mistakes, but he also has some athleticism where maybe he can generate some plays. So that's kind of my read, you know, and I will say this, like having, not having Armstrong is a big blow to Virginia. It is a big deal. And I think it's a bigger deal. It's a bigger drop off in my opinion than it was last week with, with Pitt going from Kenny Pickett to Joey Yellen. I think, you know, Virginia going from Brennan Armstrong to whoever it is they play as, as their starter, starting quarterback this Saturday night is, is even more of a significant drop off. So, you know, Miami is getting lucky somewhat with, with these backup quarterback stretches, but that's football. It is what it is. Football in 2020. Armstead from South Bend, Indiana, home of Andrew Ivins for 18 months. I, I live there. Um, just just got to throw it out there. Uh, you know, it was funny because I was like, when they signed him, I thought it was an interesting move that like Virginia would go to South Bend, Indiana, but this does fit. He's the type of quarterback that like Bronco uh, Mendenhall seems to like. I mean, go back to Bryce Perkins last year, uh, long strided type runner. Um, athletic guys so i think they kind of have their mold and they um, chase after those guys what else does virginia do well we touched on this uh, on our last podcast but we think there's some potential nfl guys in the front seven but um there's also some inexperience it seems like yeah, so they're, they're two edge guys. They're ba- they play them as outside linebackers. So Charles Snowden is six foot seven. Noah Taylor six foot five. So those are those are two guys that Virginia can use in various ways to cause matchup problems um, for for offenses. So both those guys can rush the passer, and Virginia asks them to drop back. I do think it's worth highlighting as well that. Um, Virginia is dealing with some injuries in the secondary. Um, Mark Pope so. game. <laughs> some, well, someone needs to step up. I don't know who, but someone needs to step up because it does seem like there are some opportunities there. So three of their starting guys in the secondary. Uh, so safety, Joey Blunt, uh, slot corner, or sorry, I should say nickel corner, Brenton Nelson and cornerback Devonte Cross. All three of those guys are starters. All three of those guys sustained injuries against Wake Forest, and there's a chance, a good chance, from what I understand, that all three guys will be out uh, against Miami. So, you know, obviously, if that happens, that's a significant blow to Virginia's secondary, and they have struggled with containing the deep shots this season. Um, if you look at their last three games, so they've, they've lost three games in a row, each one of the quarterbacks they faced. So Clemson, NC state and wake forest have all hit at least one deep shot touchdown against the secondary. Um, and yeah, I mean, a guy like Joey Blunt, the safety for Virginia, he is one of the better underrated safeties in the ACC. And uh, so not, he's kind of the quarterback of the defense, so to speak. So not having him will be significant. Um, And yeah, I guess 
Virginia, so with that in mind, right? So we talked about Snowden and Taylor, the two long outside linebackers. Um, with, with the injuries Virginia's had in the secondary, they've asked those guys to drop back into coverage more than they usually would this year. I think they will stop doing that this week. I think they'll ask them to be more aggressive and, and try and help with the pass rush because they haven't been able to generate much of a pass rush at all this year. And, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Do you go slot corner or nickel corner? Yeah, I, feel like I, I should, I should have said nickel, but yeah. Like, but what's, what's the standard now? I don't, I don't know. I think it is still nickel. Is it not? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think I keep seeing more slot and slot corner. Like, I don't know. Like yeah. that's just the way it's going. Um, with, uh, with football. Um, let's, let's take a break. Uh, on the other side, we will get into some more specifics and share our score predictions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, David. Um, I, I didn't want to go too too long on Virginia. I think the real story is uh, the quarterback situation. So right. let's kind of hop into hop into Miami. Uh, first, I have a question: Do we know if Brevin Jordan is going to be? available on saturday or i mean i think we do not but you know if we're reading between the lines just based on what manny so manny said on wednesday manny diaz said you know brevin was able to do more this week during practice compared to last week but he's still questionable um so it's and he did manny did say he is confident that no matter what, Brevin will be perfectly fine to go against NC State after the bye week. So just reading between the lines, it sounds like they're probably going to hold him out this week against Virginia as well, get him healthy, fully rested up, and you know have him ready to go for that final stretch. Uh, Manny did say he, he expects Jared Williams to be fully back and ready to go this week. So I, I would assume he'll be back starting at right tackle. Um, this week after missing the Pittsburgh game with what I guess was a hand injury. That's big, especially with uh, you expecting Virginia to use those two linebackers in more of a edge rushing role. Uh, player you think needs that needs to step up this week for Miami? I'm going to start with mine. Um, and some we've already discussed a little bit on this on this podcast. I'm going Zach McLeod. Um, last year against Virginia. Um, Mike Pinckney was Miami's best player 
according to Pro Football Focus, he did not miss a tackle. And I think that is key. I mean, remember, Bryce Perkins is a guy who is almost like a run-first quarterback. He's going to try to get to the edge or uh, he's going to run some some option read stuff and, and key in on guys, and, and you got to wrap him up. And obviously Perkins is gone, but you know it, it'll probably be a mobile guy back there, at least in mm-hmm. some situations. So I think it's going to come down to the linebackers um, doing their job. And McLeod, I mean, the past two games for him, I looked this up, uh, have been his worst two-game stretch in, in terms of tackling grades since he was like a sophomore. So, um, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're back, you're here. Let's do, let's step it up, man. Um, I, I think this is a game that he will be on the spot. Yeah, he needs to step up or else he's going to, you know, as we alluded to, he's going to lose his job eventually to Sam Brooks if he doesn't step up. So I think that's a good one. I'm going to go with not just one player, but a position group and I'll go with the offensive line. And the reason why I say them is, honestly, I don't see many paths to victory for Virginia, but I think one way where, you know, they potentially could make life difficult for Miami is if they do have success generating a pass rush with some creative blitzes, which is what Virginia has always done under Bronco Mendenhall, you know, whether it's it's those outside linebackers I already talked with, or they also will blitz their middle linebacker, Zane Zandier, um, often uh, throughout the course of the game as well. So the offensive line is going to have to be able to make calls and checks um, and, and be in tune with picking up these exotic blitzes that Virginia will throw at them during the course of a game. And if they do that, you know, I you know, as I'm alluding to, I think Miami's going to win fairly comfortably. Um, potential player of the game uh, for Miami. Who do you think we will be raving about uh, Sunday in the reaction podcast? So yeah, mine's maybe more a bit of a hope, but I'm going to, I'm going to say Mark Pope. I'm going to say Keyshawn Smith. So I think they're going to give him some, I think they're very intrigued by him. I think they're going to give him some shots. And, you know, as we've said, Virginia potentially could have some guys out in the secondary this week. And so the opportunities, you know, even more so there for the taking against this Virginia team. I think they want to get Keyshawn Smith going as that deep threat. And so I think they get it done. So I'm going to go with Keyshawn. I like that one. Do you think he'll be wearing the orange cleats? He was like, was it? He, I feel like yeah, he was one of the was. only guys. I liked it. You know, yeah, it was a good look. I noticed um, that too. <laughs> he was like one of the only guys, right? I, I thought that yeah. was funny. Or, orange cleats. Um, uh, for me, I, I'm going Cam Harris, and now I know you have detailed how Miami could uh, potentially throw for a huge chunk of yardage against the Cavaliers. I'm in the kind of I'm going to wait to see it. Uh, mode and look Miami faced the number one rushing defense and the number 11 rushing defense in back-to-back weeks Um, Virginia is like 31st right now in terms of rushing yards given up a game Uh, I I just think if Miami they seem to be pretty dedicated to running the ball Uh, they were especially against Pittsburgh like they they try to run it as much as they could and that seems to be something that Rhett Lashley wants to do. So is this maybe where 
uh, Cameron Harris gets back on track and looks like the Cameron Harris that we saw against UAB and Louisville and, and Florida State. I think there's a there's a chance that could happen. And, and if Miami, you know, is trying, it gets up and is trying to control the game. There's no reason that they shouldn't be uh, keeping that ball on the ground. Yeah, I like that one. I, you know, you mentioned getting Cam Harris back on track. That is important uh, for this offense. As you alluded to as well, I think it's more a product, you know, his struggles the last two weeks is more a product of who Miami has played. Right. And so, you know, I do think Cam can potentially get back on track this week against Virginia. I think against Wake Forest, Virginia allowed a 75-yard touchdown run or something like that, if I remember correctly. Um, So that big that big playability is there against this Virginia this year's Virginia defense. Seems like if there's like a big play prop, longest touchdown, like just smash the over based on everything you've. uh, They've allowed some explosive touchdowns, which and you know you look at the points per game allowed there. It's like something like thirty five or something, which is not what Virginia's been about in recent years. It's it's a weird year for their defense in general. Um, I pulled up the sports line predictions. Um, I meant to check, I'm going to do this bad, bad podcasting. I meant to check to see what the latest line was, but sports line, what is it? 12 and a half, 12 and a half. Okay. I saw that this morning. Um, sports line with CBS, you know, they're partnered with us. They have Miami winning 34 to 23, so they would not cover. Um, but I, I will say in their projections, they do have Brennan Armstrong playing. Um, right. I don't think that's likely. Uh, but they, they, they you know, churn out the projected stats. Uh, I think this was pretty popular last week when I rolled through uh, some over-unders for you. So I'm going to do it again. Okay. You, you ready? Uh, King, over-under 229 passing yards. I'm going to go over. I could see... I could see a 250-yard day at least against this Virginia team. Okay. I, I think I, I would lean the over there. This is another interesting one with Derek King. Over, under, half an interception. So I'm basically asking you, does he throw a pick or does he not? I think he throws a pick, yeah. I think that's – you know, I don't – anything more than one pick is bad, but I think he throws one pick. Really? I do. I mean – like Virginia has the long outside linebackers, you know, we saw against Pittsburgh tip ball led to an interception. Um, Virginia has some length. So I think some tips are there. Uh, tip potential is there. And uh, you know, I don't, again, one interception, I'll say, yeah, he could throw one interception. Okay. Uh, they project him at 1.3. So they're, they're saying one and potentially, um, an extra uh, another one uh this one i already know your answer mark pope over (laughs) under two receptions they have him with two projected catches for 25 yards which seems pretty low um yes but i mean is he gonna play like you know he could lose out um to one of these youngsters fair yeah i mean they have opened it up but i will say that the coaches have you know they were effusive with the praise of Pope from that Pittsburgh game. So they liked the way he played against Pittsburgh. And as we talked about in the last podcast, 
I'm curious to see if that's going to be the new way they use Pope is the short, quick passing game. You know, he only had 45, 46 yards against Pittsburgh, but he had five receptions. So, you know, this over under of two receptions, I'll take the over um, because I do think this is probably the new way we're going to see them use Mark Pope rather than trying to hit him with deep shots, which, you know, we've seen hasn't necessarily gone well. Final one, Will Mallory over under 32 receiving yards. Um, I'll go over. Uh, I could see why it is low, though, because Virginia, I looked at this. Virginia hasn't really given up very much receiving yards to tight ends this season in general. So, and maybe that's a product of those long guys we were highlighting earlier, those outside linebackers Virginia has. Maybe they've done a good job in coverage against the tight ends, but I'll still say Mallory gets over 32 yards. I think a, a lot of that would depend on whether or not uh, he, uh, Brevin Jordan plays. Right. Yeah. I'm assuming Jordan is not playing. So I should make that clear. I'm just, I'm also saying, you know, Will Mallory's only two catches last week went for touchdowns. Uh, I thought he'd be a little bit more involved in the, I don't know, play to play game plan instead of just the rock step touchdown pass. And then kind of a designed easy one read uh, from Derek King to throw to him in the red zone. Yeah, that's fair. They haven't necessarily targeted him a ton this year. But, you know, to your point, like, Brevin, I am assuming they're going to hold out. And so that should mean more targets for Will this week. Um, okay, let's get into score predictions. Um, based on everything you've said over the past 40 minutes or so, <laughs> like I think you think Miami's going to win. So how much are they going to win by? And how many points is Miami going to get? Yeah, so this is assuming like Virginia quarterback Brennan Armstrong is not playing. That's that's kind of the biggest reason why I'm making this the score prediction I'm making. So if he does play, you know, it's going to be a tighter game in my opinion. But assuming Brennan Armstrong is out, I will go Miami 38, Virginia 17. 38-17. Okay, so Miami gets to the what we're dubbing the magical 30 points number. They hit 30 points. They win by three touchdowns. Honestly, Cover. I could – yeah. I think – I'm very curious, like, against these backups, what Miami's defense does because I do think they could really, really, really hold down Virginia's offense. And honestly, like, 17 points might be giving them too much credit. Um but I'll be nice. I'll say 38-17. Uh, let's say it is 38-17. Okay, so Miami will say they're up 31-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter. Uh, mm-hmm. Derek King, you hang it up. Does Nikosi Perry go out for <laughs> uh, a series, yeah. or is it Tyler Van Dyke? No, I think we still see Nikosi because, I mean, look, I still believe – that if something does happen to Derek, that they would turn to Nikosi, don't you? So I still think you want to get Nikosi reps uh, this season whenever you get that opportunity. That's just my opinion. You agree? I, I, I agree. I mean, but if you're, if you're in South Florida, you've seen some interesting quarterback management uh, decisions. Right. 
recently. Right. Like, I, no, I absolutely agree. I, I was just wondering, like, uh, some people seem to be really ready to move on from Nikosi Perry, especially after he threw the interception uh, against uh, Clemson. All right, my score prediction: I got Miami winning thirty-three to twenty. Um, like you said, maybe twenties a little too much for Virginia, especially if those backup quarterbacks are being played. But I, I don't know. You know, kryptonite for Miami's D has been the guys that can right. keep plays alive with their legs. I, I think I, I the way I see this one going with the game script, pro, game script, excuse me, is probably tight early on, and then Miami eventually starts kind of uh, pulling them away. Um, right. You know. Things that concern me, Miami coming out flat, that would be a, a big one. Uh, Derek King turning the ball over, that would also kind of right. make me a little uneasy. And then the uh, you know unknowns. Yeah. Is someone missed the game because of someone or multiple people missed the game uh, due to some positive tests? You never really know. But you know, I think Miami should be able to move to 5-1. and one. If Brennan Armstrong does play, uh, I would also uh, agree it's probably going to be much, much tighter. Yeah, if Brendan Armstrong plays, you know, 12 and, you know, 12 and a half points is the spread. I would probably honestly take Virginia in the points in that case. Um, but, you know, I'm not a, I don't think they're going to play Brendan Armstrong. So, you know, it's similar to last week. Like, as the week progressed, that spread got bigger and bigger and bigger. And Kenny Pickett did not play. Um, the same thing's kind of happening this week. And as you said, Las Vegas always knows. <laughs> um, Over-under is 57 and a half. I actually like the under. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yours would so, be the under. Mine would be the over, right? Oh, I don't know. I'm not good at math like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think like they'll want to run the ball and it's not like we really know if Miami's receivers are going to be able to. No, I guess mine would be the under two. So yeah, hit the under. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One recruiting note, uh, discussed this on the previous podcast. Amari Daniels, the running back out of Miami central was supposed to announce on Thursday. Um, He had Texas A&M and Georgia as his final two, which was surprising because Miami was in there. My crystal ball has been on Miami. Confidence was low. Um, I think I kind of, you know, not alluded to, but made it known that I thought Miami was still kind of in that thing despite the top two. And he announced late Wednesday night that he will no longer be committing on Thursday. Um, kind of pointed towards the fact that Miami Northwestern plays Miami Central on Friday is the reason why uh, he wants to not be distracted, which, you know, does that really make sense? Like, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to get into it, but uh, pushing his commitment back. I personally think that is favorable for Miami. Um, yeah. Does Miami need another running back? I, you know, we could, spin this go go around and around on it uh but he is someone that the staff uh likes because he's elusive um they think he would be a fit in this offense so stay tuned for the latest on that because i will be at Tras pal on friday night uh hopefully i can get an update but if not i'm gonna see a ton of 
future Miami commits or future Miami players commits and, and all that. Um, football in Miami Dade is is here, man. I I didn't I didn't think it would happen. Yeah, no, it's cool to see. Hopefully, everything can be done safely, et cetera. So your your feeling is Miami's not done pushing for Amari Daniels, right? Even though that top two is released, Miami wasn't on it. Miami's still <sighs> turning it up yeah. on. I kind of like you get wiser and wiser over over the years <laughs> of doing this. And uh, I don't know. There's some stuff that's just not adding up to me. Um, okay. I'm not saying he's coming to Miami, but like, you know, I was a little surprised when they didn't make the top two. I know the people um, that coach Miami's football team were a little surprised as well. So we'll see where it goes again. Like, you know, I think he would, you know, he would be a good player for Miami. I don't I think if he were sure. to go somewhere else, it wouldn't be the end of the world. You got Thad Franklin and numbers are super tight right now. So Miami's going to have to make some decisions, but for all the people out there that are like, ah, oh, you know, Miami doesn't recruit the local home star talent. Like this offensive staff does. Um, right. They, they, they have given Amari a, a hard look and I, I don't think they want him it would sting maybe if you you saw Georgia or Texas A&M right. on a seasonally basis, but you know, I mean, might not ever see him again. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it does make sense, honestly, from a number standpoint, like you're going to, you and I have talked about the running back situation in the past, but you know, and who knows what Cam Harris is going to do, but um, yeah, I think, and, and honestly, Rob, Robert Burns didn't look that bad finishing off that Pittsburgh game. Yeah, um, I know, but, I'm surprised. But that is a position that gets beat up. And so if you have a lot, like if there is a position where you want to kind of devote some bodies to, I'm okay with it being the running back position. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, Friday, we at Inside the U will have full coverage of, of two high school games uh, and then Miami, Virginia on Saturday night. Um, should be a good one. It'll be fun. And, uh, you know, thanks everyone for listening. If you get a chance, give us a five-star review if you enjoyed this podcast and any others uh, that we have done. And, uh, you know, keep checking out InsideTheU.com. Thanks. Thanks to everyone out there. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Later.